are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile. slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hello Daniel, a warm welcome to the show. Hi, Annika. It's great to be here with you. I'm excited for our conversation today. We might speak about channeling, ET connection, and you are channeling the Pleiadian Collective, also, also the Arcturians, and also other uh, beings and masters. And I'm curious about your whole journey, and maybe we'll get to meet some of those you are channeling today also. Uh, however, I know that you had a, a very impactful experience in 2010 that really opened you up to extraterrestrial connection. Uh, but before that, I'm always curious to hear uh, when I speak with my guests, their spiritual beliefs before all this uh, crazy stuff started to happen. So uh, have you always had sort of a spiritual belief before you started channeling? I did. I, I've run the whole gamut. I went from being like a very serious little Catholic boy who took it all very seriously and went to Catholic high school. And it continued there with my like, you know, very fearful relationship to God. Like, I don't want to upset you kind of thing. <laughs> Let me be the best Catholic I can be. And nobody else that I knew seemed to do that. You know, nobody else that, that I in my friends group seemed to care at all about what we were learning about and, and, you know, um, 
and sort of like seemed to have any sort of fear of God. So I felt like I was alone in that too. Like, like I spent so many hours alone in my room as a little kid, you know, playing with my Legos and fearing God. <laughs> and so when I got to university, I love um, my Greek and Roman and Nordic myths, you know, all the myths and um, learned about all of them, Saga of Gautier and all that stuff. And um, Gilgamesh. And it, it, I remember learning like these stories that I thought were pretty exclusive to my religion are everywhere. They're in all these different cultures. There's nothing really special or unique about mine. So what makes mine, you know, what makes me think that mine is like so special and the only thing that's really real and true. And so made me question everything. And so I slowly and slowly moved away from that faith I grew up with till I was completely atheist in my 20s. And I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't like proud of my atheism, like Ricky Gervais or something where he's like talking about how like he just is so sure there's nothing. I was just kind of like, once again, in a fear state around it because I thought, well, if this is all there is and then I'm just going to die and go in the ground, like how terrible is that? But it was what I believed, you know, I believed in Darwin and I believed in Freud and, and then I discovered Deepak Chopra and he had a more scientific sort of view of the universe and spirituality kind of merged with that. And so I just started reading more and listening more to Deepak and what he was saying. And, and then I got into everybody. I got into Ram Das and Yogananda and Wayne Dyer and eventually power of now and conversations with God and the Seth books. And, and then once I got into channeling, I went completely down the channeling path and, you know, was following Abraham of Abraham Hicks around the whole world, going to workshops and on cruises and stuff. And I just like, I never thought it was going to be something that would happen to me. It was in 2010, you know, I was, I was in the Abraham scene from like, 2004 to 2011. And I didn't know anybody else who really channeled. I knew Daryl Anka channeled Bashar. And I actually went to see him and have a session in his house and everything. But other than that, I didn't know of anybody who channeled. So it wasn't like it is today where you can go online and find all these channelers and see all these different beings that are channeled. Instead, it was like, I guess there's only a few people who have this gift and, you know, I never thought I would be one of them. That's fascinating. Actually going from being an atheist and all of a sudden being where you are right now, it's such a leap. So that's amazing. And then I know that you had an ET experience and I know when you have your own experiences, it's like, you can't doubt it anymore. In a way, when I had my out of body experiences, I was like, okay, now I know for sure. It's not just something I believe in. It's something I really know. So I know how important these experiences can be to us that are seekers. And I would love for you to share it. And was this the first time you actually had sort of a spiritual experience? Well, leading up to it, I had started doing more Reiki on people because I, I started to get something when I would do Reiki. So I was having like, like I had a little jolt of energy um, one night when I was doing Reiki on someone. And then I would see my hands like moving over the body of the person where I wasn't controlling them anymore. They would just move by themselves. And then my head started going like this. 
And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then I started going, and I was like, wait a second, that's kind of like channeling because I wasn't doing that. That was just happening. So that was in like January, February of 2010. And then March, early March is when I had my very near death experience, like alien encounter <laughs> that. Um, Did you actually die? No, but I was suicidal that I was, I was actually suicidal. And I think really? I, was, I was crying out to God for help. Like I, I was in so much pain physically and so much pain in my marriage and didn't want to hurt my now ex-wife, you know, didn't want to be the one who said like, this isn't working because I knew she'd be upset. And, and so I was just miserable about so many things, even though I had my spirituality and I loved my lifestyle of, you know, going all over to these Abraham workshops and hanging out with my friends and talking about these spiritual things. I still had my, my secret, you know, shame of like this pain in my body and this uh, marriage I just did not want to be in. And I was just crying. I was, I was, you know, bawling and, and so upset and thinking, well, thinking I wanted to commit suicide, but I couldn't because my ex-wife's brother had committed suicide like a year prior. And there's no way I could do that to her, you know? And, and um, I just was like, okay, I guess I'm just, but I think I also kind of cried out to God and was like, heal me, help me something. And it wasn't that night that it happened, but it was the next night where I was asleep and I had a dream. And in the dream was Abraham's videographer who I was friends with, but he was into all this alien stuff that I always used to kind of like roll my eyes whenever he would start talking about it. Cause I just thought, yeah, so what aliens, you know, they exist, but they don't really have anything to do with us, right? because I was such a hardliner, you know, I would think like, well, we're all source energy and what would we need aliens for anyway? And so in this dream I'm having, I look at Peter and I said, I understand now about the other beings. And that's the totality of the dream. We're standing in a desert somewhere. And I woke up from that dream. And at first I thought, is there a chill in the air? Like, what is that? And it was energy coming in through the crown of my head and it was pure ecstasy. And the reason I, I say it was near-death experience like now is because I've watched so many videos of near-death experiencers. And the word they use when they say it's ineffable, that's what it was. It was like, there's no words for what I was experiencing. It's so beyond any amount of pleasure, any, any love I've ever felt. You know, it was amazing energy moving through my body. And I had arched my back because it was, it felt so good. I was barely still on the bed. And at first I was just going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I was thinking more, please, <laughs> more, please. And then I was thinking one more time, one more time. And then I had the thought of the dream because obviously the dream was vivid. It was fresh in my head. And I thought, what does this have to do with that dream? And then I thought, I wonder if this has something to do with aliens. And I thought the word aliens and I got a huge surge of energy. By the way, did I say that in the dream I turned to Peter? <laughs> I can't remember. And I said to him, I understand now about the other beings. Because if I left that part out, that's that's important because that's where 
I got the idea for that it could be aliens doing this because to me, the other beings that I was referring to, to my friend who was really into aliens must have meant aliens. So then that's why I had that thought. I wonder what this has to do with aliens. And then I got this huge surge. And then I just kept thinking the word aliens because I wanted more of it because it was pure ecstasy. Like, I don't think, I think maybe people who do heroin could understand <laughs> what it was like. But um, it was just this pure ecstasy moving through my body. And I just wanted more of it. And eventually, once I realized like, okay, so this is aliens doing this, I thought, I'll start talking to them. So I start having a conversation with them in my head. My eyes are closed the whole time this is happening. But I'm thinking the thoughts like, are you, are you in another dimension? Are you, are you, no, I, I thought, are you here to heal me? And I knew the answer was no, because there was no response from them, like energetically. And then I said, are you here to play with me? And then I got a yes, because if it was yes, I'd get a surge of that energy through my body. And so I just kept asking questions like, are, do you have physical bodies? Will, would I be able to see you and all that stuff? And then eventually I opened my eyes to see if they're in the room with me. And I didn't see anything, but I did start the whole process of the energy coming in through my crown, all like it was from the very beginning, the same intensity because I had opened my eyes to see them. And then I just, it eventually stopped, you know, the, the whole thing just stopped. And, and at that point during it too, the other thing I was thinking was like, oh, this is definitely going to heal me. And it didn't, uh, <laughs> it didn't heal my pain. I still had to deal with the pain for a long time afterwards. But um, but it what it did do is it made me recognize like, okay, this is possible now. Like this amount of ecstasy in my body is possible. And so I was already meditating. What's what's interesting about my story is like I started meditating before I was awake spiritually. So while I was that. 20 something year old atheist who didn't know anything about this stuff. I taught myself how to meditate and didn't even call it meditation. It was just the way that I rejuvenated my energy by, by closing my eyes and counting my breathing, counting each breath. And so from there, I, I became a meditator just to get energy to like make it through the day. Most days I was like a zombie at some point, like I just couldn't function. And so my meditating for 10 years had become something of like an hour a day usually. And so what I wound up doing was adding time to that hour where then I was focusing on that energy and trying to feel that energy again and trying to get myself so I could, I could access it somehow. And I wound up getting to the point where I could give myself full body goosebumps but I could never recreate that experience. And I still never have. And then this is March of 2010. So then I get, I start getting more interested in ETs, but, but what wound up happening was in, in like October of 2010, that's when I talked to Abraham because I was at another Abraham workshop and I got in the hot seat again. And I said, 
um, what's going on with me. Cause now I'm dry heaving too, as I'm trying to access all this energy in my body, I'm starting to get dry heaves and stuff. And, and my friends and I like thought maybe I'm going to channel. So we sat in a hotel room together and they were ready with their questions. And I was just going like this cause the energy would just like pull my face and my head and neck around, but nothing would come of it. So I just was like, okay, Abraham, what's going on? And they basically said, yes, you're going to do it. You just have to stick with what you're doing right now. And you'll work through this resistance that you have in your body to it. And they were right. Cause about four weeks later, I spoke for the first time for the group that I um, now refer to as the creators. And uh, I still channel them today. And that's basically my story. <laughs> All right. Thank you for sharing. So I'm curious about these ETs that came through because I watched another video with you where you actually said that they were the Zetas, the Greys. And uh, my uh, feeling about them, what we've been taught is that they are not so high vibrational and that they are have been playing with us, having these abduction programs. Uh, and I'm curious about how did you start then to uh, channel the Pleiadian and Arcturians? And do you understand sort of why did they come to you in the first place? And why are you now channeling Arcturians and Pleiadians and many more? Yes. Um, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of fear around these Zetas because if you woke up in the middle of the night and there were beings standing over you and they're poking and prodding at you and you had no idea what was going on, of course you would think this is awful. I don't understand why this is happening. What are they doing? They were actually creating a human ET hybrid race, which I know you must have heard about because you talked to Bridget Nielsen and she talks about the hybrids. The hybrids, including Bashar, are the end result of all of that, of all of those abductions that the Zetas were visitations because they didn't necessarily have to take people out of their homes to get what they needed to procreate again because they lost the ability to do that. So these are the ETs that I think we're going to meet first here on Earth in a mass landing of ships experience that are, the Arcturians have talked about it. Bashar has talked about it, that this is something that's coming to us and coming in the not so distant future. So I never thought, oh, I'm going to at the time, you know, I didn't really know who they were. And, and I guess it didn't matter to me so much. But. I did start to investigate what are what is our relationship to these ETs? Why are they important? What's going on here? So then I started getting more into Daryl Anka's work with Bashar, Wendy Kennedy, who I became friends with and later became a colleague of, which was like amazing to me because I was in such awe of her. Um, and Nora Harold, they were all channeling ETs, talking about ETs. And um you know, I start channeling and I'm channeling a group that doesn't introduce themselves as ET. They say, you know, initially they're saying to me, well, you need to give us a name because they didn't have a name. And now I realize they're a non-physical collective, which is why they don't have names, because when you get up to the 12th dimension, there's no need for a name anymore. You're, you just are. You just you exist as a collective consciousness but your name's not Bob or something, you know, you just, you kind of like everybody knows each other by their vibrational signature. Although, you know, we call them the archangels, the ascended masters, but they don't 
think of themselves in terms of a name. So anyway, I, it, it all sort of evolved from me channeling the creators and then finding Nora and Wendy and being like, okay, you guys are channeling everybody. But I didn't think that that was something I was ever going to do until they sort of paved the way for me to do it. So the first being I channeled after the creators was a fairy oh. and her name's Ophelia. And I thought, you know, I was a big Shakespeare fan at one time. So of course, at first you doubt it. Like everybody who channels that initially is like, I don't know, I might be making this up. Since I've had people tell me like, no, Ophelia has come to me too. And like, they recognize that particular fairy. And so I channeled Ophelia for a while. And then I channeled a group called the Hathors who they're, they're from Egypt time and Tom Kenyon channels them too. He's the, he's the well-known sort of Hathor channel. And then Archangel Michael came and Archangel Gabriel. And eventually I started to think like, I, I kind of want to channel Pleiadians and I want to channel Arcturians. And I, I would wait a while. I would, I would like, um, wait for the timing to feel right to do that. And then whenever it did, I would do it and I'd be able to bring them through and have that, uh, that experience, which has been fun and interesting. And once I started channeling the Arcturians, I really kind of ran with it and I've, I've channeled them like, you know, for seven years, almost every day doing a new message from them for a while. It was like a daily thing that Can my YouTube back because i'm just yes, curious please. about uh, your experience and if the those that came through you if they were the grace if they are benevolent like they gave you such a wonderful feeling mm -hmm. you said so I, i'm curious like do you think do you understand why it happened and why it was them and why they can connected with it with you and if mm -hmm. they have good intentions yes my my understanding okay so the grays it's way too broad in general of a term because apparently there are some grays out there that are either AI or they're under the control of the reptilians or something. It depends on what story you're, you know, you're buying into, I guess, because nobody really, some people may think they know and some people know from experience. I don't know. All, all we can do really is speculate about some of these things, but that's the story in the new age is that there's these grays that are that are actually just kind of like really AI and and controlled and they may have a negative agenda. The Zetas are not that. They are us they look they have that gray appearance but they basically screwed up. They're kind of like the Vulcans from Star Trek where they said these emotions they're inconvenient. They get in the way. We make bad decisions. So let's suppress them and go fully into the mind. And we'll just be all about mind and technology. And what they did was their heads got really big and they, they not only moved away from nature, but they really polluted their world to such an extent that it became uninhabitable, too toxic. They, they couldn't reproduce and they needed us to help them. So they they found us. They cried. They had their moment of dark night of the soul too. And they said, we need help. We don't know what we're going to do. They found us. We were a match to them genetically. So they took what they needed from us. And those are those visitation experiences that 
they learned from. They actually learned from their mistakes when those when people would wake up and start screaming and they and they weren't emotional, so they didn't even really understand what was happening totally. And so then there's the paralysis thing, and that was so that people wouldn't get hurt. But that can obviously be misunderstood and seen as like a really negative thing that people experience. And and then the end result is we have these beautiful hybrid races. Now there isn't just one hybrid race, there's several. And um, so they were essentially neutral. They were out to, they were out to save themselves, but they also really benefited from their uh, time with us because they got to learn how to be emotional again. And they, they got to learn how to take care of these kids. They suddenly had these kids that were very emotional because they had our DNA and they were very intellectual too. So they're very advanced, these children that are the result of these, um, these hybridizations. And so that, that's basically the story on them is that I think maybe, I, I'm pretty sure according to Bridget and Bashar and my own intuitive sense, I don't have any memories right now, but I did try to go back to my childhood home at one point and like I, I went, you know, knocked on the door of my house I grew up in. And I was hoping they would invite me. And I was like, oh, I grew up here. They didn't. But I was hoping I could like go back to my room that I, I, I you know, grew up in and, and see if I felt anything in there about my experiences. But my understanding is that they took my genetic material that I have hybrid children and they, they never forget, you know, they, they don't forget the, those of us who were part of this program and basically saved them from extin extinction. So I think maybe they heard my call in that dark night of the soul for me, and they answered that call and really helped to put me on a path where I knew once again that life was worth living, that I had something to live for. Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. So just before we go into channeling, uh, these hybrid uh, kids, where are they hanging out? <laughs> well, they, you know, they didn't have a world to go to because, like I said, the Zetas ruined theirs. But these ships, the way Bashar describes these ships, they're like cities. Ah. He says that his home planet of Essasani is like this pure, like imagine earth if we never like industrialized, <laughs> you know, like what earth would look like. It'd be so beautiful. That's what Essasani is like, his home world. And their cities are their ships. So they have these gigantic, like miles long ships that they live on and they have everything that they need on. And, um, and so these kids grew up on these ships learning about life on earth because eventually they're going to want to integrate here and become a part of our society and um just sort of like you know having the best of both worlds having all that uh intellect and all that emotionality together so they're very you know they're very advanced fascinating um let's move over to channeling i just interviewed wendy kennedy that you know very well and she uh um channels the ninth dimensional collective Pleiades. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I'm curious because you also channel so many others and especially the Arcturians. I'm curious if you notice that these different species have different teachings as well. Uh, for instance, when it comes to manifestation, do they have a different approach on manifestation? 
because uh, I've come across so many different methods, techniques, how do we manifest? And for instance, you, you mentioned Abraham, you know, some are really uh, resonating with that kind of manifestation. I've had other teachers who are more like, no, it's all about just surrendering. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? If you notice that, oh, they are saying this, but they are saying that, or are they basically saying the same? Well, what you get with these different groups primarily, and this is the thing about channeling that I think is highly overlooked. It's not talked about enough. It, it's not realized by enough people who, who experience channeling because we tend to want the answers. We want to know the truth. We want to, we want to know that what really happened with Atlantis, how do we manifest? You know, it's all about facts, facts, facts. That's what we're after as human beings, because we want to live better lives and, and we have our curiosities and things of that nature. But in reality, what you're getting with a channeling is you're getting like a bath of energy. You're getting so I'm bringing energy in and sort of like projecting it out and there's words involved and the words are great and the words are helpful. And what I noticed with the Arcturians was they were more prone to give like a, a message about an update. This is what's going on. And like I just started channeling a, a group of the Ascended Masters, the, the collective of Ascended Masters, they call themselves Thymus like the gland at which where's where the high heart chakra is and um they are more about teaching us about mastery about you know how to do it how to achieve the type of mastery that they achieved pleiadians are more interested in healing ophelia the fairy is kind of not really that much of a spiritual teacher um so i didn't channel her for very long for these daily messages but more you know wants to talk about nature and communing with nature so they do all have their slightly different bents and slightly different personalities but people who really connect when i channel or wendy channels or somebody else channels they can feel the energy the presence of the energy because when i'm receiving it and channeling it the person and and all the people if it's a group are also opening up to receive that channeled information, that energy. And um, they have to in order, or else it goes over their head, or, you know, everyone has a filter to Wendy's, Wendy's Pleiadians talk about this in a, in a really smart way in that like, okay, so if, if I'm going to a Wendy Kennedy channeling and she's channeling the Pleiadians, well then the Pleiadians have their perspective and then it's coming through Wendy and she has her filter and then it moves through her filter and it comes to me. And then I have my filter and I'm filtering it in my own way. And so my understanding of what I received may be different from the original intent of the Pleiadians that are way up there in the ninth dimension. And that's why it's so much better for us all to do this. You know, it's so much better for everyone to have that direct connection to um source to their higher self to their guides to angels archangels whatever because you'll just get it with you know that 
single filter of your own. But what you really want to tune into is not so much like, well, is this one saying something different about manifestation? And I do want to comment on that too, where I think it's both. So it, you have to surrender. At some point, you put it out there. But then Abraham will even say this. You don't keep checking your watch and going, okay, where is it? I put it out there 10 days ago. It's still not here. You know, you've got to eventually say, I know it's coming. I have uh, faith, patience, trust, everything I need to, to know that this, this thing I've asked the universe for is coming to me. Let me just go enjoy my life now and live the life that I can live, live the life that is available to me right now, because th then you're not even thinking about what you want to manifest. So it sneaks in through the back door. And that's very similar to the art of channeling, which is if you're trying to channel and trying to channel and trying to channel, you can find yourself in that space consistently of trying to channel but if you are if you are like doing the thing you love the most singing acting for me walking in nature i go out and and i go on a hike and michael is coming through me like the whole time i'm just channeling michael in the shower when i'm hiking i'm not trying to do it but these are these are times when i'm relaxed and i'm enjoying myself and i'm open and so anytime anybody is doing that there's there's a possibility that their ship is coming in in those moments, whether it's the channeling they desire to do or the manifestation they want is coming in through the back door when they're not paying attention. So you don't when you the thing I learned from Deepak Chopra very early on in my journey was like, you don't have to keep asking, you know, the universe knows what you want. It's very clear about your order what we need to focus on more when it comes to manifestation is am i letting it in am i letting it in or am i not letting it in with my thoughts my beliefs my tension my resistance to something like my current job i want this other job over here because it's going to be far more up my alley and i'm going to have more fun and more fulfillment but i'm in such resistance to the job that i do have that i'm actually not letting this other one in so those are the things people have to look at when it comes to manifestation, not asking in just the right way or, you know, asking just the right uh, group for what you want, because um, all of that's known already, you know. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, did people change around you when you started to channel and did your life change? My life changed, yes. Um, I, I did leave that marriage um, about five months before it started. And um, once I started channeling, I was so deeply ingrained in the Abraham community. I instantly had all these people I could channel for. So one of the ways it changed was like, I wanted to channel. I wanted to get better at it. I wanted to practice. I knew I had to. So I just said, anybody who wants me to channel for them anytime, you know, that knows me, you call me up and I'll do it. And, um, and, I'll, and I'll drive two hours to San Diego, so I was living in LA. I'll drive down there and I'll channel for a group of people in someone's living room. I don't care. I just want to do it. So my my life changed a lot. And and I think, you know, I was 38 when I started. And I think I slowly began to become more confident. You know, I was very much like an anxious mess my whole life. And all of this 
bringing all this energy through all the time and being able to do something that you feel good about, you know, I mean, I still have the both ends of the egoic sword, you know, the, the, the positive ego and the negative ego both like rear their heads up from time to time. But, um, but it's definitely um, just, I don't know, I think it's made me uh, more compassionate. Um. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I, I have to listen to myself do it all the time because I work constantly and with clients and stuff. So I, I, I hear it over and over again in our heads you know, we are very hard headed, you know, as humans and, and it takes time for these things to sink in. But I do think I'm, I'm starting to get it now and really, you know, living it more, the truths and the, and the wisdom that comes through because, um, you know, it's, it's very possible not to practice what you preach all the time. And you, and you just have to keep, keep preaching, I guess, until it really sinks in and you get it and you start living it more. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, I'm, I'm always curious if this has changed, you know, the way you live your life and if you're applying the teachings. And it made such an impression on me when I interviewed Neil Donald Walsh. And he said that, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something like one of my deepest sorrows is that I haven't been able to apply it fully. Uh, teaching, or, or I'm teaching this, but I'm not be able to really apply it to my own life or haven't been able to the degree I want to. But he, he also said, I teach what I need to learn myself. Yes, And I love that because I think mm. a lot of us have had this feeling of um, imposter syndrome. Who am right. I to sit here and do these interviews and, and share uh, my experiences and what I believe uh, but then I've come to, you know, it would just really help me when he said that. And then I was like, yeah, I, I'm talking about what I need to understand better myself. Yeah, and, yeah. And I wanted to ask you before maybe we go into channeling, what is the, like the biggest ahas or the biggest insights or surprise that you have received uh, of knowledge from all your channeling? The thing that um, comes through a lot in my channeling is that really there's there's a need on the part of all of us to to accept, to forgive, and ultimately to be able to have compassion 
for whoever it is we're forgiving, even if it's ourselves, if we blame ourselves for something. You had uh, Jeffrey Olson on, who I absolutely love. I love that man. He, I mean, he was driving the car, you know, and his and two people died in his family, and he has he had to forgive himself. And it's like that that forgiveness piece, which is you know the course the course in miracles is all about that, and that was all channeled forgiveness you know we have to accept we have to forgive we have to come to a place of compassion for ourselves and others and then we can unconditionally love because unconditional love is where we come from and we move away from it so that we can have the experience of moving back to it and so that's how we we basically get there and that that's been coming through in my channeled messages for a while like these are the steps to getting there that it's it's not just like you go oh yeah i'm unconditional love i'll do that now like <laughs> i'll just i'll just adopt that as my new thing I'll, but there's there's a process and sometimes the process also involves like it, once you accept something maybe there's also emotions that need to be felt so you got to move through those emotions and and process those and then you can start thinking about forgiveness and then you know once you forgive you can start to see. I think we're seeing that a lot in our film and television. That's really that that's the leading edge stuff is they're showing like, and this is how the villain became the villain, like Wicked, like the, the show Wicked is an example of that. Like, let's show the other side of this story and see how someone becomes a villain because we really ultimately need to have compassion for everyone. So now you see more of an emphasis on that rather than just like, well, this person's really bad and this is the person that's really good. And at the end, hopefully the person that's really good defeats the person who's really bad, puts them in jail. And we never understand anything about that bad person or have any compassion for them. That's all, that's like the seventies, eighties, nineties movies. And now we're moving into this time where we're like, you know, we got to also try to save them. We got to try to like, get them to see the good in themselves by seeing the good in them. And that's what unconditional love is. That's what we, we all ultimately need to do is to also not just see it in ourselves, like the God in ourselves, but to the namaste is to see it in the other person as well. And when you, when you make that at least your goal, then at least you know what you're aiming towards. And I think that's been, that's my answer is that's, that's what's been coming through a lot. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm curious about uh, listening to a channeling today. And I'm curious about who will maybe come through you. So if that is okay, that you can do a channeling for us today? Yes. Yes. I love to do it. <laughs> oh, so I want to explain too to everybody that this is not my process. My process is not to make all these sounds and tones and movements. This is all part of it. This is all channeled. I never uh, woke up one day and decided this is what I was going to do to channel. I was always already channeling before I started channeling the tones and the, the sounds and the light language, all that. That came later on. And I think it comes through me as well as these mudras and, and weird movements come through because they're part of the message, believe it or not. It's part, it's, there's a lot imbued into things that we don't understand. Codes and light language contain a lot 
that is meant to really go over our heads in the sense of our our mind's ability to comprehend. But I just want to I just want people to know this is not my process for doing it. As soon as you see my fingers fluttering and my arms go up, that's when the channeling starts. And then they'll start talking too. <laughs> All right. And I know you have some questions for them, so we'll get to those. to be here with all of you and to offer you our energy and our perspective on reality. We are coming to you from the ninth dimension, which is a non-physical dimension. So that really must mean that you do survive with a form of consciousness after you leave the body. And we are here to tell you that you are citizens of this galaxy, that you are not separate 
from all of the extraterrestrial beings in the galaxy, but rather we are all related in a variety of ways that include physically. And you will becoming much more aware of that as you get closer to your first contact experience, which for most of you will be in this lifetime because it really is not that many years away from where you are sitting right now. And so as we come in and Pleiadians come in and Syrians and Andromedans and so on, through the variety of channelers that you do have there on Earth now, we are giving you little tastes energetically of what is also inside of you. You see, you have Arcturian DNA, you have Arcturian memories, lifetimes, and these energies that we project through Daniel here help to awaken that within you. And the same is true when someone is channeling a group of Pleiadian beings. It is meant to give you an activation of that which is Pleiadian within you, as well as giving you a different perspective, a perspective from those who are a bit older and a bit wiser than you are there on Earth at this time. You're very much the new kids on the block in the galaxy that we're all part of. And so we all seek to help you with your evolution, with your awakening, and with your ascension. And that's why we come through now to assist you in all the ways that we do. We don't just come and interfere anymore, as many ET beings have done throughout history, but rather we drop in these little teachings and these little energies so that you can use what we give you to co-create a better world for yourselves and for all. And now we are, of course, very open to receiving your questions, Yamika. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I do <laughs> notice and acknowledge that there are much more channeling going on these days and that it seems like we're in a big shift of consciousness. And it's really exciting to hear that uh, many of us will experience contact in this lifetime because I hear also that again and again. Uh, maybe for myself and other people there, uh, to me, I... I feel that I have been a Pleiadian or an Arcturian or that I have some starseed connection. At the same time, I'm here and I'm curious about living multiple lives at the same time. And then I get curious about what is really a soul. Like, who am I? Could you share some perspectives on what is a soul? Because is part of my soul part of you as well? And that's where I get confused. Well, souls definitely have agendas. They definitely want to have certain types of experiences. And so they project the consciousness of themselves out in a variety of different places, dimensions, star systems, and so on, to have the different experiences that each soul, each unique soul, which is an aspect of source, so there really is no separation from source ever, because we all really are 
the bigger aspect of ourselves that we could call the soul. And that is source. It's just like an eyeball of source looking out from a slightly different angle to have a slightly different perspective so that each soul can have slightly different experiences simultaneously, which all lend to the expansion of source, the continuation of source evolving, growing, and simultaneously knowing itself in all of these different ways. And it is in no way an overwhelming experience for source to have all of these soul agents out moving in different directions, having different experiences. So it is important for you and for everyone to acknowledge that you're not just this person who's living in this body in this lifetime. And that's a very important realization to have because you do want to see yourself ultimately as a source energy being, which is everything, which is all that is. And to see that all that is can both be contained inside of you and also can exist as a projection out there in various other forms and places and star systems and so on. And so it is all simultaneous in reality. So anyone that you have been still exists, but this is all about the experience. It's not just about getting something done or learning lessons. It really is about the experience of the self, of the source self. And so you do have a linearity of your experience. There's a linear nature to your evolution. You're going to know yourself as a more evolved version of yourself in the future, and that will be nice. And in order to have that experience, you first have to have the experience of being less evolved, which is what humanity has experienced there on Earth for a very long time. So in that sense, each aspect of the soul, so the soul is an aspect of source, and then the soul has aspects in these bodies that it is creating the idea of. This is all really illusion and idea construction. It's a dreamlike reality that we all co-create so that we can give ourselves different feelings and different experiences. And in that sense, there is a before and after. There is an expanded state and a less expanded state and a future more expanded state that all of us are moving towards. And so that's the way you can look at linear time as a progression of experiences that, yes, you have had, but that don't stop existing. So the little you, the five-year-old you, still does exist some when, somewhere in this universe of ours. And she still gets to have experiences and grow and evolve. And she's actually benefiting from what you are doing now, just as you are benefiting from all the different experiences that your soul is having simultaneously because all the information and all the experiences and the emotions, it all gets sent back to the central source, which is your soul. 
And so you're growing, your soul is growing, all aspects of you are growing simultaneously, which creates this very unique tapestry that is the you, that is the real you, because the real you is so much bigger and so much more. And so it is good to acknowledge that. It's good to acknowledge that you've been other than what you are today and that you will become more and that we're all connected that this really in reality is just one being that's dreaming all of this into existence so it is accurate to say that you are this and you've been that because we are all one in reality mm. thank you for that i'm going yeah. to ask uh a uh, like a more everyday life uh, grounded question. Um, maybe many other women can uh, identify with this. As a woman, I feel that I shift emotionally and my states shifts continuously every day. And sometimes I wonder who am I because I'm shifting every day. And then I look at my boyfriend and he's just more like stable in his emotional uh, life. And I'm curious, uh, obviously, uh, I'm menstruating and I think the cycle has something to do with it. But even women who, has, who are not menstruating anymore also uh, experience these cycles. Can you share a little bit about these um, or say anything about this shifts of emotions that especially women have in a cycle and how to better handle it? Yes. Well, you acknowledge it and that's good. You recognize that you've had the experience before and now you know that you can expect the change to occur when that time of the month comes along and it's something you can prepare for. You can remember what has worked for you in the past and write those things down, but we're not really getting to the why here. And so the why is really that certain individuals chose bodies that would allow them to be more sensitive and more emotional because there is certainly an association between being sensitive, being emotional, and being awake spiritually and wanting to feel better. So in order to want to feel better and become more of who you really are there on earth, you first have to have other experiences that let you know, I don't always feel so good. I want to have the tools and I want to have the techniques for feeling better. And that is going to set me on a path to want to explore more what my emotions are, where they come from, what I can do to process them more quickly and effectively. And essentially, when you're a sensitive person, you're more likely to do the things that you ultimately need to do to be in a higher vibration. And it is important for everyone to seek out the techniques and the tricks, the things that will work for them to put them in that higher vibrational state. Because as you consciously shift into higher and higher frequencies, you get closer and closer to 
the fifth dimensional frequency range, which is a higher frequency range than the one you've been in there in the third and fourth dimensions. So when somebody is more mentally oriented, action oriented, and less emotional, then they're more in the masculine side. And when someone is more feelings oriented and wants to focus on manifestation and receiving, then they tend to be more feminine in their orientation. But the goal ultimately for all of you there on earth is to not see those as being so separate or so predetermined by the gender. And instead seeing that you have masculine energy and feminine energy inside of you, you can bring those together and integrate them and have both your divine masculine and your divine feminine activated and integrated so that you can call upon either one when you need it and when you want to be more action oriented or you want to set a healthy boundary with someone then you can call upon that masculine side but when you want to be receiving something that you want to manifest or you want to be focusing more on your emotions and processing them then you want to call upon that feminine side and they don't have to be out of balance just because you are one gender or the other. You can certainly tune in to both of them at the same time and feel them merging and feel the wholeness and the completeness of when you are aware of both and having both active. Thank you. And the last <laughs> the last question, uh, we have a climate uh, crisis, we have the AI coming. Uh, is this all connected? The climate change, AI, COVID, is this all part of the big shift of consciousness we're in? Everything is. Everything is a part of the shift. Everything in your life that's happening to you personally is about what you need to look at, what you need to work on, what you are ready to grow from now after not doing so for however long it's been since you first became aware of an issue in your life. We're not speaking to you specifically, we're speaking to everyone here, is that everyone needs to do that introspection and look in the mirror and say, where am I not showing up in the way that I want to? Where am I not dealing with something that I really do need to deal with? And that's what humanity has to do with this planet and say, well, we've sort of been sweeping all of our garbage into these places where we thought they'll just be fine there. It'll have no negative impact on anyone because no one lives around there and so on. And of course, people knowingly sometimes do dump things and pollute things. And all of that is coming back now to humanity so that you can look at yourselves and say, well, what type of world do we want to live in? And what do we value? And do we think about these things? Do we think about things like carbon footprint and the type of world we're leaving for our children? And it's getting everyone to also look at their relationship to technology because the more technology that you have, the further and further you tend to get from nature. And if you don't care about nature, if you don't care about what happens to that river or that tree or that forest, then it becomes 
easier for humanity to ignore all that. And of course, the gadgets have more of that artificial intelligence. And there's a somewhat of a link, if you want to tie COVID in, in that when people did have to stay inside more because a government said it's time to lock down, it's time to only have essential people out there in the world, you saw how quickly things could change with the earth and the pollution and the amount of smog in the air, the amount of pollution in a river. And you saw how quickly things could move into a much better place if you would reduce a bit that carbon footprint that you have individually and collectively. And so, yes, it is all connected because every aspect needs to be looked at, needs to be questioned, needs to be addressed in a sense of, well, we're, we don't have to feel shame about this. We don't have to feel guilt is not the answer here, but the answer is maybe make some changes that would be better for everyone instead of just thinking about myself and what I want and uh, having the best of this and the best of that being what builds me up and gives me a more of a complete sense of self. So as people start to look at that and pull back from that a bit, they can say, well, I want to be a part of the solution here. I want to see how I can affect the change in the whole system that we're all a part of, as this is a human collective and not just a bunch of individuals who have to share a planet together. So it really is all connected. And as far as AI goes, we do want to say that what's important with that technology is how you use it. It's not that it's necessarily bad, necessarily good, but the way that you implement and use it will determine what ultimately becomes of it and your experience of it. Now, certainly you don't want to just fear it because fear is not the answer here, but being responsible and checking yourselves along the way and seeing if maybe you're going too far. Are you just creating a slave race of robots that eventually are going to become sentient and self-conscious and be able to then uh, know themselves and the fact that they're doing all the hard work and the humans are doing nothing? Is that the, the way you want to go with it? Or do you want to see yourselves as creator beings who have a responsibility with your creation and have to treat all of creation as a source energy aspect, as another being that needs to be respected and loved and cared for? Thank you yeah. so much. This was really helpful. <laughs> Good. We are so glad. Yes. We are the Arcturian Council and we have enjoyed connecting with you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> that was interesting and fascinating. Okay. All right, Daniel. So I'll, I have three questions that I ask all my guests. What is self-love to you? It's really acknowledging that your feelings matter too, that that you matter, that that what you want to do in life, that, that you're a unique aspect of source. And so whatever's coming from within you is valuable and 
and that to treat yourself with that with that attitude of like okay i value myself enough to listen to what impulses are inside of me and desires are inside of me instead of just always putting everyone else first and thinking that like i'm no good and and i'm only as good as my accomplishments or how much i make or something like that but instead just seeing your uniqueness as a the only aspect of source in all of existence that you are is worthy of that same love that source is and what is happiness to you well it's it seems to be a temporary state of being that we certainly can reach for in our lives but it's really i think a, a decision in a lot of ways because you can choose to be grumpy and you can choose to focus on what's wrong and what that person said to you or did to you or you can say you know what i just I'm going to go do the thing that makes me happy. And even if it only makes me happy temporarily, it's still worth it because I really like that feeling that I get inside when I choose happiness. And my last question, what is the deeper meaning of life from your perspective? Ooh, uh, the deeper meaning is that we're all going home to source. We're all on this journey to go home to source. And Source created this possibility for all of us to have all of these different experiences and be all these different characters and play all these different roles. But ultimately, it is there is a there is a method to the madness of of the chaos that life seems to be. That is this tapestry that's supposed to like weave us all together in this grand story that we're all playing out. But it all all roads lead to source, no matter how much you diverge off the, the path and no matter what you decide to do for a lifetime or a series of lifetimes, we'll all go home eventually. And it will be when we all get there together, it's just going to be so freaking beautiful. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. All right. <laughs> this has been so enlightening and inspiring. And I know you also have a program that you would uh, like to promote and share and help people with uh, because you, you teach a program where people can actually learn how to channel. And I can put the link below here. Can you share a little bit about it? Well, it's a, a series of classes of beginners and intermediate and an advanced group channeling class that I've already taught. So it's six hours of class time that people can listen to over and over again, the, the processes they like doing and um, practice, practice, practice. That's the only way to, to actually tap in and then get good at it once you do start doing it. And then the, and bundled together with those six hours of class time are also meditations and sound healings and light languages and processes for getting you channeling very specific beings and uh, it's quite, uh, it's, I think, a total of over nine hours of uh, recordings that a person gets with that. And I call it the Learn to Channel Master Course. Ah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all your wonderful work and for coming to the show today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light from here.